for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blisey, and this is episode number 91. And today, we are going to do a full recap of our season, kind of, I guess you could say. There's going to be talks about three different bucks falling in this episode, which is pretty cool. And the reason being is because we haven't even got into the nitty-gritty of Justin's two epic hunts this year as well. And lastly, my hunt in Kansas. Because a lot of people didn't know that uh, after the Hambino, I went down and to Kansas and filled my tag there too. So yep. I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm ready to get into this. And believe it or not, you and I haven't talked much about your two hunts. So this is pretty new to me as well. So I can't wait to get into this. Yeah, we've got a lot to catch up on. I mean, we... We covered the Hambino as soon as you killed him, and um, I've just been running myself ragged here, trying to cover more ground and and try to find one more one more hunt. But uh, yeah, I've got two under my belt so far with the bow, and uh, you've got two now. But uh, yeah, I guess I mean, I'll just I'll just dive right into it here and get started with. Um, it was a uh, I don't know I've, I've talked about it in the past, but. I, I did hunt public land again this year. Uh, I didn't get any permission. I didn't do any leases. Um, I know I was kind of excited and gung ho about getting on a lease and doing some property management and running cameras and, um, you know, between money and time and changing jobs. That, that's something else we haven't really talked about. Change jobs. I know it's come up, but we didn't. Yeah, we brushed on yeah, we, that. We didn't really get into it. Yeah. Um, man, so <laughs> I don't know where to start now, but. Um, I'll stick with it. The- <laughs> well, let's start. Okay. Let's start like this. Let's start and say, uh, let's, let's brush back on the job changing and let's get right into the hunt after that. Okay. So, um, a year ago when I came on to the fall podcast, I was, I was with Midwest whitetail, which was, which was a great run. Um, it was short lived, um, unfortunately. And the only reason being for that is because, 
I was approached about another position with another company that uh, had had some more benefit to it for me, you know, and my wife in the long run with, with some insurance and, you know, interest in the company and just, uh, you know, I, I don't regret being at Midwest Whitetail. It was a great time and I learned a lot from working with those guys. And, um, you know, I, when I moved to Iowa, I didn't expect it to only last a year and a half, but, uh, I got an offer that I couldn't refuse and I am now the content coordinator for base map. Um, it's a hunting, fishing, mapping, navigation app, uh, very similar to like an Onyx or a Hunt Stand or you know just all those all those hunting apps that are out there now. And um, it's been great. Um, I'm still filming, I'm still editing, and that's that's what I filmed all my hunts for this year. So with that, I'll I'll go back into the hunt here and talk about that first kill, but. Uh, as I mentioned, it was public land. I didn't end up with the lease. Um, and I guess it was right about Halloween. I said, enough's enough. I need to really put time into this. I've got, I've got other hunts I want to do and I just need to, I need to kill my Iowa deer and get this over with. And, um, now before, before you get too far, I do want to throw some questions in here. Okay. Now, were you on the public land that you killed on last year, your old deer? Nope. I, I went in so there. So you're on did, a completely I, different piece. Yeah. I, I did do uh, two hunts in there in that, where I killed last year. I did two hunts early in October, and I only saw, like, I saw one doe and a couple of fawns, and I don't know if it was because it was early in the season um, or if, if it's because that the, the, the private property to the north was all beans. So that seclusion of all that standing corn wasn't there. I don't know if that was a factor, but uh, that piece does have a lot of water on it. And I know EHD was really bad in Iowa this year. So um, I did not really scout out that land at all. I didn't walk the creeks. I didn't run cameras. I had no idea what was in there. I just kind of picked up where I left off and just started getting a bad vibe. So I, I just I packed up and I moved on and I started looking at other other pieces of ground and uh so so when okay I'm, I'm gonna have to stop you again i want to i want to get some uh questions in here okay. so when you when you pulled out of that public what was your what was your mindset then were you like damn it i gotta get back to the drawing board or was it like i'm gonna go try a couple of these other pieces that i've already looked at and you know the rut was kind of coming, you know, you're getting in yeah. the middle to the latter part of October. So you're like, are you thinking that you're running out of time? Kind of, you got to find a spot. Yeah, kind of. Um, you know, I, I did not end up killing where I killed last year, like I just said, but I did continue to hunt the same pieces that I hunted last year. Um, I went right back to the same tree actually that I hunted last year, a couple times at a different at a different uh, section of public here. So, um, actually I, <laughs> so I went to one place where Cooper and I filmed and we had, it was our first hunt last year, which was October 11th. So after I pulled out early October, I had to go to Maine. I went and filmed a moose hunt in Maine, uh, the second week of October. And I came back on week three and I went into the piece of ground that I actually started in last year 
filmed a beautiful buck come across the river, like, you know, up to his chest, walked right across the water. Um, went in there, lots of good sign. It was just so freaking hot. Like we had a really cool October here, you know, compared to previous years. It was like one of the best Octobers that anybody could really remember. Um, I did not have that experience. <laughs> it seemed like whenever I could get out, it was hot or we had a south wind or conditions just didn't add up to, you know, make much sense and ex- have any kind of expectation. But um, I just kept bouncing around like I did last year. I just, you know, if I if I wasn't feeling it, just move on. And I finally moved into this piece of ground that, again, me and Cooper hunted last year. And um, it's just a big a big bowl. Like I, I went to the top of this ridge and I found a place where it kind of pinched off at the top end of it. And it was just like this little bowl of timber up in there with a ravine that cut straight through the middle of it and just dropped an elevation right down to a Creek. So, um, I used that. So you were for... on top of the ridge, the, the, like the very top. Yeah. Yeah. I got really high. Um, all these mature Oak trees and a lot of, a lot of acorns on the ground. They're, uh, you know, as they call them down south, acorns. But uh, I, I I just put the plan together, and I said, I'm, I'm going to use this creek for access. Um, I'm going to walk straight in to where all I got to do, like I'm, I'm going to follow the creek in. I marked my stand location, and I walked the creek in, and all I got to do is go straight up the bank and walk straight uphill. Like it's the least impactful. It was the yeah. most miserable way to get there, but it was – the least impactful and the quietest and, you know, just shortest distance in. So, um, and I'll tell you, it was, I hunted that same tree every day for six days straight, either a morning or an afternoon. I never, I never did a full day sitting there, but I saw deer every single day I was there, every time I hunted. And let's see, I had my first day in, I had an encounter uh, coincidentally with the buck I ended up shooting. Um, the second day I went in there, we had snow and I let a deer go that looking back, I wish I would have shot. And it's not because he's... Yeah. When you sent me pictures of that deer, I, I said, you might regret that one. <laughs> yeah. And it was just one of those, I mean, I wasn't really prepared. I was, I had just got up in the stand. Um, my bow was in the was in the tree. I had the camera set up and I literally just, I was, I was in the tree. Like my backpack was on the string still on the ground, but my bow and my camera were up in the tree and I turn around and there's this 10 point coming in from straight up at the top of that ravine. And he literally walked right under me. Like I'm filming down through the grate of the tree stand. He never even looked twice. He just, I had him at 10 yards behind me, five yards straight under me. And then as he walks away, five, 10, 15, 20, all the way out to 50 yards before he just worked his way out of range. And I was like, you dumb bastard. Like, why'd you, why'd you let him go? <laughs> but as, right. Well, I, so what day was this? Was this, was this before Halloween then? That would have been Sunday. Yeah. October 27th is when that would have been when we had that snow. So were the bucks, were they more of like, on search mode or you know what were the bucks doing were they chasing yet were the little bucks chasing like where was the rut at at this point 
at, at this point, I had not seen any small bucks like yearlings or there was a lot of scrape activity, a lot. And uh, every so I, I saw the one buck on the 26th on Saturday. That was an afternoon hunt. Saw him at 2.30. And that's the buck I ended up killing a week later. But um, he was by himself just cruising that ridge. The 27th, we got that snow. The night of the 26th, we got that snow. I went in on the morning of the 27th, had that encounter with this wide 10-point. And uh, I don't know if I was just hoping for something better. or you know, I, I really do think he was a younger deer. I think he was probably a two-year-old just because his time length was really short. He was kind of spindly, you know, but his width was there. And I don't know. I don't – hunting public land with, with no history of these bucks, like – I at least try to tell myself, just shoot a mature animal. Like, I don't want to shoot the first one I see, but I also want to move on and go to Wisconsin, and I was trying to get back to Utah. So, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't want to shoot him because I just – I didn't even touch my bow. My first reaction right. was, like, I wasn't excited. He was a really nice-looking deer, a good young, you know, with, with a lot of potential, and I just had a cool encounter. And I didn't start thinking about the fact that I wish I would have shot him until I went home and watched the footage and I was like, he's, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, kicking I, yourself in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started to really second guess myself and thinking maybe I, I might've made the wrong call there, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it was done and over with. Right. Um, so what, what was the bucks using this this bench for this, you know, top of this ravine where they coming up and over it and going underneath your tree or, you know, what was the main purpose of these bucks working over that, uh, that hill that you were on? Well, when I first went in there, my, my thought process was that, uh, it had been super windy up to this point. So I wanted to go high and look for oak trees and, and hunt the oak or the acorns that might've gotten blown out or blown off the, the trees in that wind i'm thinking just find that hard mast away from all the pressure and you know the wind put food on the ground just set up and see what happens and that was my initial my initial thought process was just to hunt the food in the timber away from people and yep obviously it worked like i I encountered two bucks the first two days and the more i hunted it and I, i started to move around a little bit like these but i could the bucks kept moving, you know, using the ridge and the ravine the same way. So I started making some some adjustments. I, I would move my stand location, you know, by 10 yards or 20 yards in either direction, you know, depending on the wind. And uh, I started getting different vantage points. I started seeing a little bit more, you know, and I, I, I didn't walk around. I didn't put scent all out there. I just kept changing my tree. And uh, I kind of, I made an observation that, Everything to the northwest of my stand where I started at, like the way the ravine dropped back down, I mean, obviously it's going back downhill. So at some point it was full of water or that's just where the, you know, the water drains off the, out of the timber and back into that creek. Well, I found out later that along that creek bank down below me was this huge bench of all this native grass and it was just a huge bedding area. So I was literally on the ridge on the downwind side of a huge bedding area. And I think those bucks were not only 
up there, you know, grabbing a bite to eat, but they were just cruising that ridge and that ravine, scent checking that bedding area. With all the scrape sign that was in there, I mean, it, it made perfect sense after the fact. Like, once I put two and two together, it was like, this is this is the perfect storm. Right. Now, were you ever bumping any deer going in or going out? You know, and that that's the weird thing is I never did. I never bumped a single deer. Like I said, I only hunted either a morning or an afternoon. So I was either going in in the dark at 5.30 in the morning or coming out at 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. But the, the weird thing is, is there was no food around there. Like there was no ag. So I think that maybe the deer were just so spread out and all that timber that you know, they were, they were going to water in the Creek that I was using for access, but they were doing that when they would get out of bed, you know, at whatever point in the day that that happened to be. But I mean, there was no real, like, there was no reason for travel. Like I wasn't hunting a pinch point or like a travel corridor between bedding and food. I was, I was solely hunting that bedding area. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I didn't know that at the time because I didn't walk around. I didn't scout it out, but, um, that's one thing I am going to do this summer because that place is, like I said, it's the perfect storm. And I, I saw I saw one other buck in there. I had an encounter with one other buck on the third day. Or no, it was actually the, actually the same day that I saw that 10 point, the, the 27th. I saw another buck that day at about 9 a.m. that made me go, holy shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just out of I, range or what? what was he doing? He was blasting through there chasing a doe, and I didn't even know I had him on camera. It was one of those things where I could hear him coming, and I just stayed wide, and I kind of just followed the noise, and he went streaking through at like 80 yards and chased her up into, like up on the hillside, up on the ridge side, and uh, I I knew I had a little bit of him, but I didn't know how good it was, and I came back, like I said, and watched that footage, and I was like, oh, damn, like that's... I'd love to hold out for one. that buck, but uh, like I said, I just I was I, I wasn't hunting for you know a booner. I was hunting for a mature buck that I had on camera that I could shoot in frame and in mm-hmm. focus and self filming. Man, it was just like I'll take whatever I can get. He'd be nice, but I'm not going to hold out for that. But right, um, I am going to scout. I'm going to scout that place a lot more come you know once season closes i'm going to shed hunt the crap out of it and i'm going to i'm going to remember a lot more about this place and it's nice because it was a little bit closer to home than where i killed last year so not as far away from yep. the drive so, so that, that was, was the 27th of october yeah and then you've got you know sweet november right around the corner so yep. how many more times did you hunt in there before you went in there on the third I hunted every day consecutively until I killed. So you I, hunted the same stand every day? Uh, within reason, yeah. Within within a 20-yard radius, yeah. Gotcha, okay. And what? why were you moving, you know, 20 yards or so every time? Was it just wind-related no, or was it more like, uh, you know, just thought were, it was a better spot over there? The bucks kept moving through that ravine, you know, coming from the same direction, exiting in the same direction. So um, that one that walked underneath me was the only deer that came from what would have been behind me. Um, everything else kind of quartered across it, 
you know, they weren't running the ridge top. They were kind of just like scooting over the ridges, like kind of like these hogs backs, you know, and they were just, they yep. would drop, they would drop out of sight. They, they would come up out of nowhere and then drop out of sight. And it's like, I, I can't work with this. So I, that's why I kept moving. And if whatever the wind direction was, knowing what those, where they were going to cross, you know, I just had to pick a different tree at times. So it sucked because every single hunt for eight days straight was a hang and bang in the same 20 yard radius. Like I said, which really sucked right. because it was a lot of, a lot of extra work, but that um, can be tough, man. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was just a matter of having to be able to see him coming in the morning or know where they were going to go in the afternoon and, and just be in the right place, you know, the right tree to get a shot. But, uh, I never saw any of those bucks again throughout the week. I saw, I started seeing more does. I started seeing a lot of fawns. I started seeing younger bucks and I started trying to figure out why it was I was seeing these spikes and these yearlings. And, um, I started seeing the same doe and fawn pair every single day. And I'm just like, man, this, this doe still has her fawn on her. So she was probably bred late, like Thanksgiving time. She's not going to be even close to estrus. I'm not seeing the bigger bucks because they're obviously a little bit older. And we kind of had that, that flurry of early, like an early rut here this year, <clears throat> like that Halloween kind of a first week in November. Yeah, that little trickle. So I'm like, yeah. man, these 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 bucks I've already seen have have locked down does, and that's why I'm not seeing them right now. So it was, and I still think that was the case because it was another five days before I saw another buck. You know, a, a potential shooter buck, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, it's the weekend, so Allie's hunting. She can only hunt on the weekends, so she's primary shooter, and we go in on Saturday, and I'm trying to remember. I think we saw, we went in for an afternoon, no, a morning hunt, and we saw one of those, we saw that same doe and fawn, and we saw another yearling buck, just like I'd been seeing, that was on saturday the second saturday morning and we did not hunt saturday night we didn't hunt sunday morning and we decided to hunt sunday afternoon so this is the this is the third and uh we go in that we leave the house at noon and we go back in there and set everything up again and you know i'm getting my shots and it's it's only like 2 30 and we've got a long set ahead of us and we go Oh, I don't know, till three thirty, four o'clock before we see our first deer and lo and behold it's that doe and fawn. And we see a yearling buck, the same one from the day before, kinda checking her out and just being a little idiot. It was probably I don't know, quarter to five and she's we're you know, we're ninety degrees from each other in the tree and she's facing the ridge and I'm facing down the ravine and she says Buck and I look up and I could see antlers coming from the same direction that the deer, like I said, they'd been coming from. It's, you know, they come up out of nowhere, they disappear. Well, this one came up out of nowhere, just like the rest of them did. And, you know, we're trying to talk and saying, do you want to shoot him? And she says, yeah, if he comes over here and I'm filming him and, you know, I'm trying to call out ranges for her. And the deer ends up working up the ridge and not coming into range. And 
I hear footsteps and I look behind me and there's two more bucks coming. And I said, Allie, there's two more back here on my side. And uh, she goes, oh, yeah, little guy. I said, no, shoot the second one. And she goes, what second one? <laughs> she didn't see him. <laughs> she didn't see the second one. And then I just I hear her in my headphones and she goes, oh. <laughs> so she finally <laughs> saw him and I'm like, I said, you got to shoot that deer. And she, she said, okay, if he comes over here, I will. And at this point, he's already 40 yards. I'm like, what do you mean if he comes over here? He's he's here. You know, and. Yep. He's not coming any closer. Yeah. Well, he did come closer. And I said, do you have a shot? And she's like, no, there's too much stuff in the way. And at this point, he's broadside looking at me, watching me talk to her. And I look at the camera and I see the little green squares lit up and he's in frame. He's in focus and he's broadside at 31 yards. And I'm I'm like game over i'm doing it <laughs> so i <laughs> i grab i'm on the low i got a lone wolf um alpha that i hunt out of is my hanging hunt setup so it's got the little the bow holder in the in the grate because we can't in the platform yeah in the platform like we, we can't put screws in the trees here so like i can't use a bow a bow hanger unless i engineer something where i strap it to the tree but anyway i'm I check framing, I check focus, I grab my bow and I, I hook up and I, I pull back on him and uh, he ducked my arrow a little bit and I kind of, it was like that high shoulder shot where yep. you just you just kind of hit that right nerve. I mean, I got plenty of penetration. I, I hit his lungs, but he he dropped right there in his tracks and um, it was, it was, it happened so fast. Like she was the priority shooter and trying to coach her through and here I am presented with the shot all of a sudden in a matter of seconds. And, um, you know, it was, it was cool. I, I admit it was, it was probably one of my favorite hunts because just because she was there, like, you know, we talked when you were here, we had her on the podcast and, um, you know, we tried to get her to be the one to shoot and it worked out that I was able to shoot, but we were together and, she got to watch it and you know she she was awesome she helped me drag it out you know she was all she was all into it man it was it was like hunting with my buddies back home again it was it was perfect right now you understand what's going to happen now right yeah like you took a deer a from her well that too but you took <laughs> a deer from her so now she's going to think or you know she's rightfully titled to next year's rut primary yeah. shooter until she kills yeah that, that <laughs> might be the case i mean if i'm if i'm around iowa <laughs> you better be around iowa for I a couple mean, more years at I least i mean if i'm not <laughs> i mean if i'm not filming somewhere but yeah that's, oh right 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 yep yeah no and, I, and i'm i'm all for that i mean and she still has a tag and i mean we're we're just coming out of the rut here and the weather's getting nasty it's just starting to turn you know a lot colder and I've seen I've seen does back in their their groups and bucks are starting to get back together. So it's you know I I still have every intention of trying to get her a bigger deer than I did. You know it's just going to be mm-hmm. in that that late season scenario over food. So um, right might have our work cut out for us to try to find food on public land or uh, you know maybe take advantage of some resources and see if I can get her get around some private land and see what we can turn up, you know, but again, no history. Like I don't run cameras on anything right now. And 
she can only hunt weekends. So we've got ATA coming up uh, second week of January. I've got I've got to go to Arkansas on a duck hunt here coming up on the tenth of November or tenth of December. So I mean it's it's it might be tough, but I mean we just got to take advantage of what time we have left to get her one. Right. Right. So the so that was the third of November. And the rut yep. was just starting to kick up for you because I had just moved to Iowa on the second, I believe, the day before that, I think. Yeah. And right when I got in the stand and the part of Iowa I was in, it was the rut had started like hardcore next to me yeah. for the next couple of days. You know, and then, you know, I killed the Hambino on the seventh, so a couple of days after you. But what was your rut like? Was it any different than mine? I mean, mine was. Bucks were ready. They were going. Does were moving everywhere, and bucks were responding to calling really well. So did you experience that as well? No, I did not get to experience any of that. Um, I think I killed I think I think killed that buck kind of right at the beginning of, like, when they came out of that first little trickle period. Um, so I, I guess it was – Sorry, I said the beginning and the end. But I think it was the end of that little trickle that we had at the end of October. And they were kind of just getting back out there to see what was going on. And then I killed and I moved right into Wisconsin. So I I did not get to see any of that that classic Iowa rut action. Right. I did. I experienced enough yeah, for both of us did. because it was the best. <laughs> yeah, and it's... It's it sucks to have missed that. I mean that that's what makes deer season enjoyable, and those those are the days when you say you know anything could happen, and you never know what you're right. going to see. So, um, and that's exactly what I had, man. Anything could happen, and I didn't know what I could see, and I just kept seeing shooter after shooter after shooter. Yeah, yeah, and big deer. Yeah, you so were in, that was that was sweet. You, you had you literally had the perfect storm. Like I I think I thought I was doing good, <laughs> but you were. I mean. You were George Clooney at the helm, just taking every wave. One hundred percent. And yeah. the thing is, I hope, I hope that I didn't, you know, blow everything on this trip because is this an indication that the next ten years I'm going to just have the worst ten years of my life? I hope not. I'm going to knock on wood real quick. But yeah. like, I had the perfect hunt. You know, the hunt that you everybody dreams of. I mean. I would love to be able to come in day one, day two, and kill. Like, that'd be great. But the way it happened, grinding it out for six days and having the experiences and having the, you know, action we did and killing them on day six, mid-afternoon, was yeah. like storybook. You know, it just was that cool. Yeah, yeah and those are <clears> – we <throat> we talked about it in episode 89, right? That was the Hambino episode. But it was... Uh, no, 88. 88. 88 was Hambino. 88. Yep. We, we, we talked about it, and it's like if, if you could script out the hunt that you would want, like the one hunt you'd ever want in your life, it would be in Iowa, and it would be exactly what you had. It's I don't think you're going to have 100%. any bad luck, but, I mean, you've you set the bar. Like your expectations pretty are, high. <laughs> are pretty high. And, uh, yep. you know, it's, it, it, that's the kind of way that was for me last year when I rattled in that buck on the ground and, and shot him with my bow, you know, by myself and, and filmed the whole thing. It was, that was like, hell yeah, that was, that's how it's supposed to be. And it was, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted anything different. It, it, 
for sure. Know, and, yeah. And this year here, I had my wife with me, and just another great hunt for me this year. And it was with my wife, so I, I have nothing to complain about. Yep. Now, before we we do get on to the next one here, explain your deer a little bit. You know, tell everybody what he was. You know, what how old do you think he was, and you know, did you ever put a tape on him? No, I never taped him. Um, you know, he's I think he's a three year old. Um, I know in a lot of people's books that's not mature, and um, you know, I like I said, I wanted Allie to shoot him. She just didn't have the lane, and I had him in camera in focus and 30 yards broadside and I'd already passed that 10 point and as I said I wanted to move on and I just made a, a split second decision to shoot him but he's just a he's just a nice clean eight just real just boxy he's he's got decent length on his tines he's you know one of those deer you see him and just that that their reaction the reaction I had to this deer was yep shooter as opposed to the reaction i had to that 10 point that i let walk and yep like i said this this was a deer i ended up encountering on that first saturday when i went in on october 26th he was the he was the same buck i saw that afternoon that i was prepared to shoot then as well like and i said it in my footage like after after he walked off i said i absolutely would have shot him and it was like I said, I don't regret it at all. I got nothing to complain about. I do think he's only a three-year-old, but um, like I said, I no cameras, no history. Just you know, use your best judgment in the moment, and that's all you can do. And I was prepared to shoot him on the 26th, and absolutely going to shoot him if I see him again. Well, and too, you said you know, right when you saw him, it was like shooter. You knew it was. Yeah. And that's, you know, go with your gut. And and not to mention, Allie was with you. You yeah. know, we talked about on the podcast with her. She hadn't done a lot of hunting, you know, and that and that's something good for her to experience as well. Even though she wasn't the one pulling the trigger, you know, or, or you know, the one to be able to wrap her tag around him, yep. to experience that is, is a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was. And like I said, she jumped right in there. She was, she drug him out down the hill, up the hill, through the creek, you know everything she ran camera for me doing the recovery on it and and it it was awesome we didn't there wasn't there was not another person out there and it was just us we just we've had an awesome year like starting back in Saskatchewan together and and now the deer and um you know I just I just hope that we can get her on one for herself going into late season here for sure so let's fast forward here to your next one in okay. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin. Yep. It, uh, you going back, I mean, we did podcasts about this, about talking about the lease that you have in Wisconsin this year. Um, I don't think we dove too much into it, but uh, let's start there. You know, you picked up a, a lease with Cooper, right, in Wisconsin? Well, it, it's actually not a lease. It's just it's private property that uh, friends that a friend of his owns. And, uh, it's just like the, the little, the group of friends that they have, they all grew up together and they all hunted together. And when I first met Cooper, that's where I, that's where I first ever filmed my very first hunt. And, you know, we've, like I said, with my acquaintance with Cooper as a friend, you know, grew from that and they've just invited me back every year to hunt. So, um, 
my only investment into this land is is tree stands, a couple cameras, and you know, food plot seed, and sweat. You know, so it's I just try to do my part to to honor the invitation to hunt, and uh, you know, it's super lucky. Basically, a permission farm, and we all just hunt it together and and try to figure things out together. But you guys had some studs on this this farm, though. You were sending me pictures. Oh, yeah. There's some big deer on this farm. Yeah, it's uh, it's three separate properties. Like they're not all conjoined, but between the three, it's it's a little over two thousand acres, and two of them are just huge tracks of of, of running timber, like huge huge ridges and deep ravines and just nasty. Uh, I mean, it's. It's so hard to figure these deer out. It's I don't even know what to compare it to. There's no edge habitat. There's no ag. It's it's all timber. You know, I'm talking I'm talking five six hundred acres. It's like you've been to Sauconoc in Illinois. It's like that. You know, like it's a lot higher and a lot deeper. So That's crazy because that is a woolly beast, man. Yeah, it, and it's just it's so hard to figure out. Like Cooper and his buddy Dylan, they run the Cuddy Link system in there just to try to stay out of it. You know, you go in there one time and set them all up and make sure they're all linked and hope for the best, you know, and those are the pictures I was sending you. And I mean, there are, there's, there's one sixties to one eighties and there was one, one ninety killed opening day gun season right across the road from it. That's and, unbelievable. Uh, you sent me a picture of that deer too. That was a stud. Yeah. Yeah. He's giant. That was, it was a cool story. Cause the, the guy who shot that deer, um, he was at deer camp Friday night and, uh, he was showing me pictures of that deer. He said he shot him, he shoulder shot him during bow season, mid October. And then, uh, opening day with a rifle, he, he had a chance. He, he got him with a gun, the same deer that he wounded shoulder shot. That's crazy, man. I was, didn't know that. You didn't tell me that part. Yeah. He, he went 186 and he was, he's a stud. Wow. But, uh, so when you went into Wisconsin for this trip, where was the rut at for you at that point? Because I, I do remember, you know, I killed the Hambino on the 7th, and I was told when I left, I left on the 8th to go back to Kansas, and Iowa, the rut, like, shut right off the next yeah. couple days. Like, it was just, like, gone. Well, that's I think that's what I walked into, into Wisconsin. So I, I killed in Iowa on the 3rd. I took the fourth off, which was a Monday. I didn't hunt. Um, and then I went to Wisconsin on Tuesday, the 5th. And I didn't end up killing until the 13th, so a, a week and a day later, eight days later. But uh, that whole week, like, the, I hunted the night of the 5th, the 6th, the 7th. I hunted all day on the 8th, half day on the 9th. Like, I mean, it was... It was grueling, man, because... It was a grind. You oh, my God, was it ever. And, and all of us were hunting. Like, Dylan had the week off. Cooper was hunting. He had his intern there. They were filming for Cabela's, and it was like nobody was seeing anything. And it was... You're just, you know, you're adding insult to injury, and no, nobody can figure out what the hell's going on. And it was like... yeah. I, I just came off that kill, so I was like, yep, momentum, like, we, we're we going to keep this going. Right, yep. You know, but it was, hold on, I, I, I got to say timeout and back up, because I, I hunted the afternoon of the 5th um, when I got there, and 
I did have an opportunity and I missed. I was in my tree stand. I was setting up my camera arm. My bow is on the string, still at the ground. Like I wore my backpack up. I took the tree arm out of the backpack. I'm setting it up and I hear a deer blow and I look behind me and it's like this two-year-old eight point. So I'm just like, well, he's already blowing. Like I just tell myself, whatever, it's, it's two o'clock. Just let him run off. I don't care. It's early enough. And he's just stomping and blowing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm ratcheting the tree arm on. I drop the, you know, I drop the arm into the base and I'm, I'm messing with the camera, trying to get the, you know, the fluid head, trying to get the camera to lock down onto the fluid head. And I hear a stick break and I look over my shoulder again. And I was like, whoa, that's not the same buck. And I, I fish my binoculars out of my backpack and I pull them up and I was like, yeah, definitely not the same buck. Like, I need to, I need, I need to get my bow and shoot this deer right now. And I don't know what his issue was, but he just stood there looking at me. He let me get the camera on the arm. I got the camera turned on. I'm, if you can picture this, I'm knelt down, like my backpack's on the seat of the tree stand. It's like my little shelf and I'm knelt down on the platform and I'm trying to pull my bow up, so I'm I'm facing the tree, and the deer's behind me, which if I was sitting in my stand, it was would have been straight in front of me. I got the camera pointed over my shoulder, like in my face, past me, over my shoulder, shooting behind me, trying to pull my bow up, knock an arrow, like get, put my release on, knock an arrow, draw and turn around. I got no rangefinder, and I'm just like 30 yards and send it. And <laughs> I... I, I I had the deer framed up. I had him on camera, and I, I didn't even have the shotgun mic on. Like, I was putting everything together. That's how much of a cluster this was. And to, I've already made a long story long here, but I ended up getting a shot off. I pulled the trigger, and, you know, with my follow-through, my elbow hits the camera, pushes the deer out of frame. I can't even review the footage. I know I missed, but I don't know by how much all I know is the deer ducked like I shot him for 30 and I later ranged it it was 37 but I shot over him like he had been watching me for so long he was ready to go and he just ducked my arrow so hard you know what I mean like I I should have shot under him I shot him for 30 he was 37 he he got enough he ducked he ducked that far that's crazy oh yeah I could have shot him for 20 at 37 and I probably would have hit him but I never saw that buck again and that was a really nice that was probably like a hundred a mid 40s eight point just big swooping beams that kind of hooked back up out in front of his nose and nice big tall brow tines and <laughs> I don't know I just never saw him again but back to what you were asking about the rut you know after that day it was one deer first light one deer last light you know nothing else um that's crazy man yeah i know they were i mean you were trying to blind call and all that stuff like just I, trying I was, to drum something up yep i was rattling i was blind calling and um that thursday would have been the seventh and i went in for the morning we had snow the night before i went in for the morning on the seventh and I put scent wicks out, like I was trying to, just like you said, just drum something up. 
I sit till um, about, I think it was like 1.30 in the afternoon. And I get down, I go back to my truck, grab something to eat, and called Cooper to see what he did and, you know, just, just kind of take a break. I went back in there at 2.30, and there was a scrape the size of a trash can lid seven yards from my tree stand that was not there an hour before when I walked out. I remember you sending me a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. That's just bad luck. I'm just like, this is like, what the hell? Like I, I was just sitting here for six hours and I didn't, I saw one deer at sunrise. I go out at one thirty and come back an hour later and there's a brand new fresh scrape right there underneath my scent wick. I'm like, son of a bitch. And what, uh, what was your weather like? Cold. Freaking cold. So, like, the weather wasn't probably a factor then, right? I mean, you feel like they probably should have been moving and rutting. Absolutely. Like, it was, again, Scrape City in there. That one opened up that that day in the middle of the day when I was gone. And that whole week, man, it was, like, I think the lowest temperature we had for one of the days, or, or the high for one of the days was, like, 14. And it was below zero at night pond froze over um you know but i think the the warmest day of the week was probably 25 i mean i was wow i was head to toe like i had my cabela's that uh oh man i don't know what the uh what the, the material is called it's that brown cabela's camo like that fleecy jacket you know with the wool pants just the cabela's pattern um is it the berber or is it the ultimate Ultimate, yeah, that was the ultimate. Dude, I bought that stuff this year when I left from Iowa to Kansas. We stopped in Kansas City at the Cabela's, and I knew I needed some cold weather gear because I knew it was going to be cold in Kansas. Yeah, that stuff is a lifesaver. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I had my base layers on, and you know, I was layered right up. And I'll tell you what, my my feet are what are what limited me. My feet quit on me before anything else like i can i can tolerate the shivers but once my feet go i'm i'm done yeah i'm the same way and uh i ended up having to go back and i bought another pair of boots i bought a thousand gram pair of of boots redhead boots and i was good after that but anyway it was we're just sitting there wondering like you know when is this going to turn back on like nothing we nothing that any of us know about deer is making any sense whatsoever and i'm talking and that's for frustrating like a too. week straight yeah <laughs> and it's not just for like one afternoon it's for a week straight morning and night you know like maybe we should hunt from nine to three like sleep in and just go out for the middle of the day i mean it's the only thing we're not doing and that's when i went in for the all-day sit and yeah big deal i saw one more deer than i did the day before Walked a two-year-old buck walked through at twelve thirty. I didn't see another deer until five o'clock that night. I was like, "This is stupid." You know, yep. you start questioning. Like, I just bought these boots. I just, I've been away from home again for another week. Like, I should be doing more work than I am. Like, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm putting so much stuff off, and it's like this is dumb. But I told the, uh, I don't know if I was telling you or telling Cooper, but I was like. I, I understand what it might feel like now to be addicted to gambling. Like I, I've never had an issue gambling, but I think I can understand what it feels like because 
It's like, yeah. you got to go out that one more sit, like one more hunt. I'm going to push it till tomorrow morning. I'm going to go out. I'm just going to go out tonight and leave tomorrow. Like that one more chance is all you might need to change it, you know? And yep. I, I started laughing at myself and it's like, this must be what it feels like to be addicted to gambling. <laughs> like one more roll. The well, it becomes work. comical though. I mean, really, oh, it I know. Does. Just, it's like, and I, I, I don't so mean much to, time. I, I, and I don't mean to sound like I'm poking fun at people that are addicted to gambling. Like that's, that's an issue. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I was just trying to relate. Like I was trying to, I was trying to like laugh at myself more than anything. And it was like, well, you know, and and Casey and I get into that point too. You know, it's like, you're going for like week to 10 days and you're hardly seeing anything. You're like, what are we doing wrong? And I actually had a guy ask me, because they did their first out of state hunt and and got a hold of me and asked me and was like, you know, we're grinding it out down here. Like what? Like you got any advice of like what to do to kind of get out of a slump? And I said, honestly, this sounds really weird, but what I like to do is, you know, I'm a I'm a soda pop connoisseur. I really like my Mountain Dew, so okay. like I'll go to the store and I'll get a Mountain Dew. A fountain Mountain Dew. I know it sounds really weird. <laughs> and I'll usually get like, you know, like some some sweets or something like that. Some candy. I don't eat a lot of sweets, but I'll get like a Reese's or something like that. Because the Reese's Christmas trees and the Reese's like Easter eggs are the best. It's because yep. of the, the, the peanut butter to chocolate ratio. That's why they're that much better. But anyway, we, we won't go down <laughs> that, that line. But like right. I, I, I kind of like resort to like some comfort food in a way, and that might people might not think that's comfort food, but to me it is. It kind of puts me in a spot like, all right, let's go. I'm ready. You know, let's <laughs> let's get in there. I can I can think straight again, and yeah. and let's do it. So that was kind of my thing. Like, you know, get back to something that like makes you feel maybe like you're back at home or something, or just kind of get you back in the straight and narrow, and and yeah. get after it again. It's so. just your just that part of your routine that is the reset button. Yep, yep. Yep. No, that's honestly that's what we did. We just one night said screw it. We went out for pizza and beers and didn't get up till nine the next day and drug our sorry asses back out there and started all over. <laughs> and, yep. Uh, and that's a good way to do it too. Is like take a morning off because it's you know you're getting up at four thirty in the morning and it's like God yeah. I don't want to get out of bed. It's cold out there. It's like yada yada. Sleep yeah. in you know, and yep. just recharge your batteries. Your body needs that too. So does your mind. Oh yeah. The mind for sure. It's, it's just so taxing. Like the, the, the constant thought of, like you said, what am I doing wrong? Like, how do you snap out of this? It's, it's, it's burnout, man. It's real. And that's all I can. Yep. That's, that's the best word I have for it, is just, it's burnout. But, well, we uh, talked about it with Mark Kenyon last week too. Like he yeah. said, you know, you really got to like force yourself to just take a break. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't, if you feel like you need to be out there every minute of every day, you know, your relationships with your friends, your family, your wife, possibly they start taking a toll. And I agree with them. And it's like you have to take those breaks because if you don't, it's a recipe for, for burnout. Yeah. And it just manifests. It builds on itself. Like, you know, I always say, negativity breeds negativity like it's just it snowballs and you start you start getting so mad at the fact that nothing's working and you're just like 
you start getting lazy or lackadaisical and, you know, that's when accidents happen, but, um, you just got to hit reset, you know, take a night off and say, well, if it, if he comes through tonight and I'm not there, then, then whatever. He probably wasn't coming through just because I was there, you know, in the first place I was doing something wrong and whatever, but we got, we got over that. We got through that and, um, veterans day came and went that Monday and the 12th was supposed to be my last day. So I hunted, I hunted morning and I hunted afternoon. And actually on Tuesday, I went to a different farm. So that, that whole week I'd been hunting, excuse me, that whole week I'd been hunting in the same, the same place. I'd missed that buck the first night. And on veterans day, I went to a different farm, like 15 miles away and started all over just for the last for the last two days and uh as soon as i got to that farm it was like here we go well now we're in it because it was i saw does i saw chasing i heard grunts there was scrapes everywhere you know it was it was a whole different story over here and i'm like well shit i should have been here the whole time but (laughs) you know regardless of the fact it was it, it it put the fire back in me and I started obviously getting back into the game and um, I saw two bucks that were in range that I just obviously identified as young and, you know, it's not the type of bucks that these guys shoot. So just killed them with the camera and, you know, started really rolling with my interviews and just kind of got that, got that momentum back, you know, got the juices flowing again. And Tuesday I went out again morning and afternoon and, I had a probably like a hundred and forty five inch ten point cross a bean field sixty yards from me. You know, he he didn't work his way into range because I'm in the timber. I watch him come out of the timber across the valley and straight across the bean field, worked into the piece of timber I was hunting. Uh just didn't give me a shot. And seeing that buck was like okay, I've, I can push this one more set, like I have to be home on Wednesday. So th- this is the 12th. I see this 10 point and it gets dark, no shots fired. And I'm telling myself I can hunt till nine tomorrow, still be home by 1231 o'clock, have half the day to get back into the work routine. And like, I'm still safe. So I pack all my stuff up and I'm, I get, you know, I pack my truck. I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm going to go on the hunt in the morning. I'm going to leave right from there. And, um, I, I would say Wednesday, November 13th was the most rut action I saw all year. And I was done by eight o'clock. <laughs> it was <laughs> does just screaming through the timber. Like you could hear him coming for five minutes before you saw it. You know what I mean? It was just like you said, it yep. was grunts, small bucks, big bucks chasing them off. Like three bucks chasing one doe, four bucks chasing one doe, like just head on a swivel every direction. Didn't care which way the wind was coming from. Didn't care if you, you know, I could have been, I could have been smoking a camel up there and they, they wouldn't have gave a shit. And it was, dude, that's the same way, like in Iowa, sorry to like cut you off there, but it's the same way. Like we hunted the same stand every sit until we moved the one day to, and then killed the Hambino. Like it didn't matter wind. Like they were coming from all over different directions and it, it didn't matter, you know? No. And it was, it's that one time, like it's that, that's the rut that you want to see. And it's like, 
I, I don't know what the deal was, but the the Buckeye shot, he came up out of a big ditch all by himself. Like after all that commotion was over, it was eight o'clock on the money. And I got two minutes and 35 seconds of pre-roll of him as he's walking up. He's in frame and focus all the way in to 10 yards. And I just grabbed my bow off the hanger and I pull back. He had, he had his head twisted around. Uh, so I, I shot him on his left side and he had his head twisted around to the right. And he was like itching his hind quarter on the right side with his antler. So I had his blind side. I drew back and he put his head back around and kind of lip curled a little bit. He took two steps and just opened up that front shoulder. And I just, I just drilled him at 10 yards with the sever. And he was, he might've went 60 yards. And I mean, it was again, I was filming the whole thing. Like I said, it was in frame and focus right there, 10 yards, eight days later and in the snow, like it was, no, it hadn't started snowing yet. I'm sorry. I shot him, and in the time it took me to text Cooper and call the guys and go back and pick him up, show him the shot, and say, oh, yeah, he's dead, no doubt. Like, you know, grab the cameras, let's go get a recovery. And we get back out there, and there was an inch and a half of snow on the ground, <laughs> covered up all the I remember because you, yeah. Yeah, you sent me the clip of you shooting him with no snow, and then it was like an hour later you FaceTime me and you found him, and it's like snow all over him. Like, what the oh, hell is going dude, on? It was, it was a blizzard. Like, we were taking pictures in the cornfield, and, like, I, I had to keep wiping them off. Like, the pictures are – it's it's snowing sideways out there. They made for some really sweet 120 shots, you know, head turns and that kind of stuff. But it's uh, – I knew – I knew he was dead, so we it had been snowing so much that we just went in there to do a body search because it, it covered up all the blood. And if you stepped on the trail, like in your footprint, kind of pushed the snow into the blood, you'd see it. But um, Cooper's dad actually walked right up on him. He was five feet away and didn't even see him. Cooper goes, wow. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see it. And his dad, Jeff, was like, what are you talking about? Is, he, did, is Justin standing by it? Like we'd split up a little bit. Cooper's like, no, it's right there. And Jeff's like, what are you talking about? Like, where? And he turns around, he points, he's like, right there, like behind you. It was five feet next to him. <laughs> covered in, it looked like a log, just covered in snow. That's crazy. So it was, now, do you think that pressure system coming in, you know, that, that weather coming in and, and, the, and the storm, do you think that had those deer up and moving that morning? I'm sure it had them up, yeah, and that's probably what kind of had things, you know, stirred, stirred about, but... Uh, you know that that one pressure system is not what put does into estrus, but it's it's definitely right. Probably, yeah, right. It's what it's what got them on their feet, in my opinion. You right. Know? And that's, yeah, that's and that's that's what I was I thinking is I like, yeah. I mean, the storm's not going to put like you said does into estrus, and just like the rut's going to turn on the rut. No matter what the weather is or temperature, the rut is always happening at that yeah. time. It just might happen after dark, you right. know, or happen at a different time. That's what like. I try, I got to tell myself that thing that also it's like, it's not like the rut just doesn't happen every year. I mean, that's, it it can't happen. It, it has to happen and it's going to yep. happen at that time frame sometime every year. You just might not see it in your area, you know, or it might just happen after dark. Yeah. And that's, I, I haven't figured it out. Like I don't study it that much, but 
I know that has a lot to do with, you know, a lot of people put faith in the, in the moon phases and you can look at the calendar and some people can figure out if it, if that's going to happen, you know, if, if your peak rut activity is going to be at night or not. Um, I don't know what it takes to figure that out. I've never really put the effort into doing that, but like you said, it's, it, yeah. it has to, it has to happen. Like you're, you're going to see some kind of, you know, increase in traffic because of the rut. You know, it, it may not be the peak activity you you want to see. Like you said, that, that could happen overnight, but like, I mean, in the nighttime hours, but um, it's just, it's inevitable. You, you're going to get some portion or some aspect of it. Just a matter of right of what what piece it is and where you are when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm one yep. that like I get a moon guide every year. I oh, like yeah. knowing what the moon phase is, and I know you were texting me a whole bunch like, "Hey, you know what's the moon phase for for today and the next couple yep. days?" And I like looking at it. I don't know how much merit I really put in it. But yeah. like to go through all of my decisions, like, you know, cause the moon guide, if nobody knows what the moon guide is, it kind of tells you the peak movements of when the moon is, you know, overhead and underfoot and, uh, or under toe, I guess you could say, um, foot or toe. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> it'll tell you too, like, like if it's good in the PM or AM and it'll give you a couple different suggestions of where you should hunt, whether it's field edges, bedding areas or transition zones. And honestly, like when I killed my big deer in Iowa, I believe the time was the peak movement time was a little off, but it was right on the fact that I shot my deer in a red moon. And then it was right on the fact that, uh, the stand selection, a transition zone was where to sit. So that was right. But I don't know, like I said, I don't know how much merit I put into it, but it's something that I do look at. That's good to know. I didn't realize you were on that red moon phase when you killed yeah yep nice oh man but so i mean was, you've got I, I think this deer i killed in wisconsin was um a solid five-year-old he's not a giant as far as the rack goes he's another eight point um but he's just like that you look at him he's got that look to him like just that old that old brute you know like he just doesn't have a lot to show but you can just tell he was a hard ass like yeah and you're super pumped about it and that's what that's what i love about it i think you know, we've said it time and time again. I think a lot of a lot of us get wrapped up in the size of things, you know, yeah. more than just the journey. We talked about that with Mark Kenyon last week as well, too. You know, it's just more of you know the the journey there too. That is is the excitement, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that journey and that memory, you know. Yeah. And it's just the the kill is is just icing on the cake. But you know, you were talking about on the thirteenth. Or no, I'm sorry, on the 12th, you said that you had unbelievable rut activity, right? Uh, the 12th, it started to pick up, and then the 13th, the morning I killed, that was that was the best I saw all year. It was the 13th. Okay. So, and I'm trying to correlate here a little bit. I want to transition a little bit to the 14th, which is when I killed my deer uh, in Kansas. Yep. So... This was kind of a long time coming here for Casey, and I don't I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here because uh, I think it was the night I talked to you on the 13th, and we talked about your deer and everything, and we recorded the podcast for the Hambino on the night of the 13th when you got home. It was kind of a, a yes. quick, you know, you got home and were able to record. So we were talking there, and before we started recording, Casey was FaceTiming his family and his two boys, and I was FaceTiming, you know, Alyssa and Peyton. 
and it that we were going on day 25 gone straight you know on the road and we were just struggling again Kansas was whipping our butt for the fourth year in a row like you know it's not like we've went without lack of opportunity I mean just one thing or another you know over the years things have happened to where you know equipment malfunction or the deer just not cooperating or you know, like we said, it's it's been real warm. It seems like every rut in Kansas for the last three years, we've never really hardly seen a rut. Casey and I have never like seen chasing, like hardcore get after it rut. Three years we never seen it. So when we were FaceTiming our families, we could tell it was taxing. It was they were they were getting like we want you home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like we we're thinking, you know, let's hunt tomorrow, the fourteenth. Let's give it a morning and an evening hunt, and then we'll leave after the evening hunt and come home, drive through the night and get home, stay for a little while, you know, through Thanksgiving, and then come back right before gun season and try to kill with a bow. Yeah. And we were both like, okay, let's do that, you know. So we recorded the podcast for the Hambino, you know, went to bed that night, got up, and we were going into a new spot that we had just hung like the day or two before. And uh, I'm telling you, man, the rut action that we didn't have for three years happened that morning. Something turned on. The switch just flipped, and it was, like, on. We got in the stand, cold, crisp morning, frost everywhere, you know, just beautiful textbook morning, sun coming up. It's just one of those mornings where, like, you know, the birds are chirping, the wind really isn't blowing, frost everywhere, but when the sun comes up, it almost gets, like, colder, you know, does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Like, yep. it's like, why, why is it getting colder? The sun is just blaring at us. At this point, we're to the point where Casey's like, I just want to shoot a solid, like, you know, even a three-year-old would do right now. We're just trying to get a monkey off our back. Just trying to get that ball rolling. Yep. And wouldn't you know it, here comes like a nice buck. Um, I'd say probably right at 130, 135. Um, possibly three-year-old, possibly four-year-old. I hear a twig snap, look behind me. He's coming from behind us. And I'm like, Case Buck, you know, walks right underneath of us, hits a scrape, goes out to Casey's left, and I'm on him. And I'm like, yep, good, good. He's got like four steps before he jumps a fence into our other field. We're, we're right on like two, where two fences meet, so it's like a crossing, four corners there. And he goes to full draw, and he tries to stop him, and he jumps the fence and no shot. And we're like, damn it, you know, like that was our opportunity. You know, we've been waiting for four years for this. It was our opportunity. So we're yeah. sitting there kind of like bullcrapping in the tree. All of a sudden we hear a grunt and to our, our, to our West, we're in a, we're in a patch of timber. That's only three acres in the middle of a CRP field with two fence rows, you know, coming together. So we're, these bucks are, are just traveling these fence rows. And we hear a grunt off to our west. We can't see it because there's a lot of cedars there. And here comes this little buck, like a two-and-a-half-year-old buck, maybe a year and a half. He comes out, and here's a doe. And he's, like, pushing her around out in front of us probably 80 yards. And here comes another little buck. And then so we're watching those three out there, and they're pushing him around. And all of a sudden, you just hear this, like this just low, deep grunt. And we're like, oh, God, what was that? <laughs> and this deer is like at 40 yards but we can't see him and all of a sudden he snort wheezes and we're like okay there's a bigger deer here he walks out and we're like wow okay so there's 
there's a buck. You know, he's probably he's an eleven point. He broke off a G two, but he's probably one forty, one forty five. This deer is thirty seven years old. I swear. He's just <laughs> the oldest deer on the farm, I think. And he goes over and postures up to these little bucks, pushing them around. He snort wheezed no less than ten times. It was crazy. And just rut action for like ten minutes. Just hardcore rut in front of us. So he's trying to get this doe away from him. Well, they go farther to our west where we can't see him. So we're just trying to listen. And you just hear brut, 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 and then snort wheeze and chasing. All of a sudden, the doe runs right in front of us at like 25 yards down the fence row. We're like, this buck's coming. He's coming. Get ready. He comes out 46 yards. Casey puts a pin on him, shoots him, jumps the fence, runs underneath our tree, and dies 30 yards behind us. Done deal. We're like, awesome, you know, like hooting and hollering the tree and everything. And we do all of our production stuff. We get down, actually realize that it's a buck sundown that we've been hunting for four years. And when we first got the farm, he was four years old. So we thought he was four. So this year he's an eight-year-old and he's going downhill. Like he, he, last year, last year he was probably in the 150s probably as a 10. This year, he's probably right at 140, and he had a bad injury last year in his uh, shoulder, and we think that injury, you know, all of his nutrients and everything went to that injury to, to get his body back in, in health, right. and yeah. and his antlers just, that wasn't like he was a bad deer by any means. I mean, he's a solid deer, old, mature deer, and he was just, wasn't what he was. You know, he's just kind of an older man instead of like a, a young stud or a, you right. know, a middle-aged linebacker, if you will. And uh, so that was exciting. We did all of our production stuff. So we're like, okay, game planning for tonight. What do we want to do? And I'm like, well, I'd like to jump in a stand if we can. If we're still going to leave tonight, let's pack. And I'd like to jump in a stand and just see what happens. You know, we might be able to tag out. And uh, so Casey had to go into town. He had to get his oil changed because he was already over on his miles. And he's like, if we're driving 700 miles home, I got to get my oil changed. So I'm like, okay, you go do that. We took care of the deer. You go do that. I'm going to go dump footage. I'm going to take a shower, get regrouped, get ready for this evening. Well, his oil change took a little longer than expected. you know. And now the time has changed, so it's getting dark at 530. He gets back at 330, quarter to four. And he's like ready to go and I'm like I had already wrote this off like all right not gonna go hunting I'll just eat my tag for right now when we come back for gun season I'll go bow hunting and uh I had everything packed he's like ready to go get into stand and I'm like and I him haunted I'm like well we could probably just pack up and leave if you want and I'm like you know what you know by the time we get to a stand we're probably gonna have about maybe a solid hour of light it's the rut you know, we had great rut activity this morning. All we, I, I literally told him, I said, I guess all we need is like 15 seconds, right? He goes, yep, that's all yeah. we need. So he's like, where do you want to go? I'm like, let's go to the road stand. This this stand I call the road, or we all call the road stand. And all year, nobody's hunted this farm this year because we got 4,000 acres. So it's just him and I hunting. And, you know, all year, all fall when we were running a camera in there, we had bucks after bucks in there. But nothing was like, there was no like giants in there. Not that I'm looking for a giant, but there was no like, you know, whoa, you know, those kind of bucks. The yeah. bucks that were in there were young bucks and there was like old shit rocket deer. Like just, 
the deer you want to kill. You don't want them like really breeding. You know, you're looking at 120s, 125s that are five, six years old, four, five, and six years old. So at this point, I'm like, I, you know, I don't care. I just want to shoot a mature deer. That's it. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a giant. I'm not, I'm just looking for a solid hunt and I want to shoot a mature deer. I've never killed a Kansas buck. So we go, we, we go to the farm, we pull in, we get the ranger out. We literally drive the ranger like 65 yards from the stand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, screw it. Let's just, and it's electric ranger. ranger. So we drive right in there, walk in and uh, I climb up the tree and it's uh, 422. I climb the tree. Casey climbs the tree. I look at my watch right then. My bow is still on the ground and we're just putting in the tree base and I'm ratcheting the tree base as he's getting the arm ready. I pull my bow up. It's 422. Like I said, and, uh, I pull my bow up and put it on my hook and I, I just knock an arrow and I got my bag on my chair, like on my seat. Like you, you know, you said you had that, that one that set you were in and you were like, it's the morning where you had that big deer, right? Yeah. When you had it, you were like leaning on the leaning on the platform and everything. So that's what I was doing. I'm just digging stuff out of there. I was giving Casey some cameras and everything, getting ready. And uh, he looks up, and I just hear him click the camera into the base. And he goes, buck coming down the road behind me. He goes, old deer, shooter buck. And I'm like, oh, God, like where can I move? And he goes, you can move. This deer's at like. 40 yards already walking down the road at us and it's an old logging road so and it's right in the middle of the timber so I'm like, I look and I'm like okay didn't even pick my binos up I'm like he said he's shooter he's an old deer and I look and I'm like yeah he's pretty solid deer grab my bow and I go to pull back because he's already at like 20 yards walking and I didn't turn my garment on because we're just got in the tree so I flip I, I, I reach up and I flip that on I pull back, range at 17 yards, and I try to stop him, and he will not stop. And he walks right to the base of my tree. Casey's filming, finally, because <laughs> he he just he's trying to put the batteries in. He's trying to get all these other angles going, and it was just a debacle. He's at like four yards because I ranged him at, with the Garmin, and it said four yards. And I couldn't shoot him at one point because he couldn't film him. And he took like three steps. I think he ended up shooting at six yards or something like that, and I, I stuck him ran 30 yards, piled up on camera, and we were done. And I looked at my watch right after that, and it was 4.28. So literally like six minutes, seven minutes, where we were in the stand, and we were done. We tagged out in one day in Kansas. You know, we've been waiting four years for this, and now it's happened in, in, in one day. <laughs> so that's, it was pretty exciting. Like, like we just said, though, it's like it's, <clears throat> it's going to happen. It's just a matter of where you are yeah. when it does and when you guys are finally there and i mean it's, yep that's all it takes yeah and you know to describe this deer a little bit he he's a deer we had on camera he's hardly got any brow tines he's no tine length really he's got huge bases but his bases like whittle down to his beams like it's really weird it's almost like his his pedicle bases are like to a different deer than him but uh right. he had a really gray face and like in Casey's words, he's like, he just looked like an old man walking and like he hurt every time he walked, you know, and uh, we figured he was probably four or five years old. That's what we were thinking. And he was just, you know, probably 120 inch deer, you know, and just one of those older deer that could be on the way down or just didn't really amount to anything. 
and uh, I was super stoked with him, my first Kansas buck, and I've literally only sat in a stand with a bow in my hand in Kansas for six minutes, and I was done. So you can't beat that. <laughs> Jesus. That's but. you can't beat that, man. I don't know. It was just it wasn't. It's been an awesome year so far. Like just the way everything's worked out. Like with you getting your tag, like you didn't even know you were in for it. You know, killing a giant, then going to Kansas and killing, and like me killing with Allie, and then like like you said, it's just a grind, and it's like it's what we do. You just you just got to keep yep. moving, keep pushing, and I mean, we both have two two great deer down, and. I don't know about you, but I'm still looking for one more with a gun. Uh, I'm doing the same <laughs> thing, man. Right now in, yeah. in Michigan, I'm trying to trying to find a shooter, and I I can't even find one on camera right now. I gotta believe one is gonna show up at yeah. some point. I don't, it could be end of December. I don't know, but one will show up. And you know, it seems like it happens every year. You know, when the snow starts flying or it gets really cold, because it's been relatively pretty warm here the last ten days. And I think one will show up. And to kind of go back on your point, too, of me not knowing, you know, I was put in for the Iowa tag, to kind of explain that further to everybody that didn't know. And I don't know if we covered it on – we had to have covered it on a podcast when I said I got an Iowa tag. But to, like, reiterate a little bit, you know, this year when we sat down, you know, as, like, Casey and Chris and the whole team and Humanimal team and everything, we were like – these are the tags we're going to get. And Chris and I, we had three points going to four. So we were like, let's put in for a preference point this year and let's go next year together. And let's just do Kansas this year. So I was like, okay. So when we went through, we use a, a, a WTA worldwide trophy adventures. We use that, that company to like apply us to, for, for, um, for tags so yep. we give them all of our information, and when we give them all of our information, something screwed up on their end, and they put Chris and I in for tags instead of preference points. So when Iowa's drawings came out, Chris and I got letters in the mail saying, congratulations, you, you are granted your archery tag. So him and I were like, what? Like, we yeah. didn't put in for our tags. We wanted a preference point. So it was a good problem to have, <laughs> and you know. So we went to. He hasn't went to Iowa yet. He's he's hopefully going this next week. He's just been so tied up with with stuff at uh, with the business and everything business side of it, and you know he's hoping to get down in there. But he's had a good year too. I mean, he's got a horseshoe so far down his pocket that uh, I don't know if anybody could dig it out because he sat only three times this year and killed two great bucks. So. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not feeling bad for him right now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's no, that's no joke. He's. I mean, you told me he killed that second buck on a back-to-back sit. Like, like that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, he got to Kansas on like a Monday. Well, it almost happened like to a, me, but I missed. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. You know, he got to Kansas on like a Monday. I think it was or something like that, and it was they got there late him and Adam got there late. So they went and scouted that morning and then hunted that night, saw a couple bucks hunted the next morning and killed and left that evening. And they were back in Michigan. So literally within two days, they were only gone. (laughs) It just doesn't happen like that all the time. Like ever. (laughs) I mean, I I would, I would generally agree with you, but it happened to me this year. And I, I just realized that. I don't know why I just now realizing that like I killed, on the third, 
I took the 4th off. I drove down or up to Wisconsin on the 5th in the morning, and I missed that deer at 2.30 in the afternoon on the 5th. I could have killed a deer yeah. on, the, on the very next set in a different state. Yep. And I screwed the pooch. Screwed the pooch, man. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah. Got to earn it, I guess. Right? Yeah. It can't, it can't be easy all the time. No. It can never be easy, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. I mean, you got anything else to add to this? You know, we're getting to about an hour and 20 minutes here. You got anything else to add? You know, not really. Just I'm going to keep plugging away and uh, hope to get Allie back onto something. Um, she's she's dead set on killing one with her bow. Like She doesn't want a gun hunt. She doesn't want a muzzleloader hunt. She's If we don't kill one here before archery closes, uh, she's going to go back out uh, starting December 22nd. Uh, and we can use a bow again during the muzzleloader season. But she's uh, yep. she's got her sights set on on a bow kill, so there's no no talking her out of it. <laughs> That's good, man. She's I don't uh, blame her. She she I don't blame her either. She she wants it so bad. And I mean, just when Keegan and I were down there doing a podcast and just bullshitting with you guys and talking to her about it, she wants it so bad. And she killed a good bear yeah. this year too. So with her bow, yeah. so that's you know, kind of feeding off that as well, getting the ball rolling. So yeah. I'm pulling for her, and hopefully she can uh, get that done. Give Allie all the luck from me and tell her good luck and, and get after it. And uh, this obviously won't be the last time we're talking. You know, we're going to get back into the schedule here once things start slowing down a little bit and, and yep. getting more of these podcasts out. You know, it just was a grind for both of us this oh, this yeah. fall. You know, we got more out this, this fall than we did last fall, which is good. So we're growing a little bit there, but – yeah. Um, we got some good Definitely. guests lined up that we've even got, uh, you know, in the can ready to go. So I can't wait to get those on those guys on here and, and get those going. So cool, man. It was a good, uh, session, good BS session with you and, yeah. and get these stories out there and for everybody to hear. So hopefully we didn't bore everybody. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Well, cool, man. Well, you have a good evening and, yeah, uh, we'll be talking to you soon.